Let's imagine you've got 100,000 address list. When you look at that list, what's really going on in there? Is there a small group of whales that are doing all the work? Because if you hit their share of wallet, your list is gonna be just as big, but all the metrics are gonna start getting bad. Your cost per sale is gonna go up, your retention rate is gonna go down. Or if you've got like a pig in a python, this big, huge Black Friday list just chugging its way through, your list is gonna look great. But when you hit the average repurchase date, suddenly all your list metrics go down, your cost per sale goes up. And when this happens, when your list metrics suddenly change, people start telling a narrative. Oh, it's the economy, whatever, whatever. But you didn't have your eye on the ball. Coley's content creation and management platform helps the world's top D2C brands enter new channels, reach more customers, and increase conversions through smarter creative that's authentic, made for you, and meets your needs cost-effectively. Whether you're a brand marketer trying to grow on TikTok with authentic videos or a performance marketer looking to get more images to test in your ads to improve your return on ad spend, Coley has the creators and team to shatter your marketing goals. Visit coley.com slash DTC. That's C-O-H-L-E-Y dot com slash DTC to request a complimentary consultation and get on the fast track to better content. Hello and welcome to All Killer No Filler. I'm Eric Dick and today we are with Jordan Gordon, our new head of email marketing. Let's start with why you think you should be called head of email and customer retention, not just head of email. Yeah, uh, customer retention is a value proposition and email is a technology. So you want to lead with the value proposition, which is once you get a customer, what are you going to do with that customer? Are you going to just hope for the best? Or are you going to build a relationship and uh, and drive an additional sale? And again, email is just one tool in the quiver, I guess, as well, right? One arrow in the quiver because you've got SMS and, and potential other ways of reaching people. So so the, the, the crux of it is the customer retention. I think that makes perfect sense. Addition, there is more than just customer retention in email. I, I did want to talk today about retention because yes. it's a good way to start the discussion. But there's also the idea that every sales or conversion funnel is leaky. So I do want to make a point that aside from retention, there is this supporting role that the, the technologies we're discussing play in making sure that when somebody passes through a, a highly a well-qualified uh, visit, but something goes wrong, you want something there to support and make sure that sale comes through. So there are two different uh, avenues to discuss. Today, I think retention is a good place to start. Talk to me then about uh, customer retention and, and really what you see as the opportunity coming into a team like Pilot House uh, with our set of clients. Sure. Um, let's say you were uh, in a growth at any cost phase in your business and you're just trying to get as many customers as you can, right? And you're, you're, when you're doing that, you're kind of looking at your list as just a list and you're saying, you know, kind of what's my, what's my purchase rate? What's my cost for a purchase? You're trying to grow it. You're trying to exit it, get some financing, whatever you're doing. It's growth at any cost. But once you transition into growth at a reasonable cost, for whatever reason, um, you got to start thinking about the customer life cycle. And so kind of what I, um, what is good to envision at first, when we think about this static view, this growth at any cost static view, like let's imagine you've got, 100,000 address list, 100,000 list, and you got 65,000 prospects, 30,000 uh, first-time buyers, 5,000 repeat customers. So when you look at that list, like what's really going on in there? You got orders, but is there a small group of whales that are doing all the work? Because if those whales, if you hit their, their share of wallet, your, your list is going to be just as big, 
but suddenly all the metrics are going to start getting bad. Your cost per sale is going to go up. Your retention rate is going to go down, right? Or if you've got like a pig in a python, like imagine Black Friday, got this big, huge Black Friday list just chugging its way through, right? Well, your list is going to look great. But when you hit the average repurchase date for your list, if they're not repurchasing at the average rate, suddenly all your list metrics go down. Your cost per sale goes up, right? Churn. And when this happens, when, you, when, when your list metrics suddenly change, people start telling a narrative. Oh, it's the economy, whatever, whatever. But you just weren't, you weren't watching, you didn't have your eye on the ball. Interesting. So, so then how do you actually achieve this kind of segmenting? How do you, how do you go from viewing your list as a monolith, as you might do during growth at any cost? Um, what are the first steps you recommend taking to start viewing that list a lot more dynamically? Yeah, so there's the, the basic tool is a cohort report. Uh, and, you know, I mean, you can, you can find people who've done it on, on uh, YouTube, on Google. You can kind of download some stuff. Uh, so the important thing here is to talk about like, the strategy. How do you think about it? So let's say you've got your year one, year two, year three um, prospect cohorts. These are first time visitors or subscribers, right? And you can just watch, that's, that's the, this kind of first Python going through, right? Well, then you've got uh, the percentage of those prospects that convert in say three or six months, say six, cause you know, a lot of, a lot of cookies are kind of just no good after six months, right? Well, that percentage to repurchase to purchase for the first time story feeds into your uh, first time buyer customer cohorts. You got your year one, year two, year three, first time buyer cohorts. And then what percentage of those repurchase in six or 12 months? That's your repeat buyer cohorts, your year one, year two, year three repeat buyer cohorts. Um, and again, like I say, there's simple ways to do this where it's a single grid. There's uh, more complex ways to do it. Um, but I, the way I want to visualize it with you, just the way I like to think about it is, Imagine you're looking at demographics because we can all, we've all kind of, you know, we read about that in the news and I'll just give an example. Elon Musk recently said population decline, not growth is the problem. I thought that was very interesting, by the way, because you hear so much about overpopulation and this and that. And, and, and really, when you look at, according to Elon Musk, we're in a, a decline. That's the real problem, potentially. Yeah, for sure. And so, so what did we see even before COVID? Unemployment was at like, generational lows totally counter narrative so many people there'll be no jobs right but demographics could have predicted that so anybody who was thinking oh there'll be no jobs it's like okay well they didn't have their eye on the ball they weren't looking at their cohort analysis right they they, so they couldn't predict what was going to happen with that business and you know to further pull on that string just a bit um housing is stressed boomers and millennials so are you familiar with, 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 you know, boomers are a huge generation. Millennials come into the housing market at the same time. Boomers aren't moving out. So everything gets squished. That yep. is a demographic problem, right? Then tie this back to our list. This, this is just basically when you look at cohorts, being able to tease out the actual stories of what's happening in your, you know, in your population, for instance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so here's an example, right? You have your Black Friday list going through. I, I think I, uh, I, I, let's, let's uh, develop that first example. You had your Black Friday list going through this year, your Black Friday list going through this year, your Black Friday list going through this year, right? First year, you do a bad job of reactivating them. 
Second year, you do a good job. All of your metrics, your, your, the next one year of metrics, everything is going to be better. You're going to look like you're killing it. Every campaign is going to look like it's doing good because you're looking at your aggregate numbers and you're saying, hey, this is doing really great, right? What you did was you reactivated those Black Friday buyers. When someone purchases a second time, they're more likely to purchase a third time. Mm. That makes sense? Totally. So here's a, here's a question I have about cohort reporting because this is something we're dealing with on the uh, D2C side is we're looking at our cohorts from wh when users come in. We're also looking at um, from where they come in. So we're, you know, we're acquiring users on TikTok, on Facebook, uh, a little bit on Google, organic, et cetera. Is that another dimension that you're considering in cohort reporting where you're sort of considering the source of these users? I would drop the cohort idea for this and we'll move on to something else. I mean, when you're, when you've got, um, when you're doing affiliate marketing, you would want email to migrate people from expensive channels to uh, lower cost channels, from say uh, paid channels to owned channels, right? So you use, uh, I mean, I actually was an affiliate manager for a while and then I moved into email marketing and the first thing that my manager said was, get those affiliate buyers uh, you know, onto email and then onto direct load. So how can we do that, right? Um, yeah, so, uh, Email is a high ROI channel, and it can be used to direct people to uh, to other places in your business. Yeah, agreed. And ultimately, it's the place. Yeah, it doesn't. It's it's a zero uh, incremental cost, really, uh, in terms of messaging these people again. So it really just matters that you do it in as smart a way as possible. I imagine because. Uh, that's the real benefit with not treating your list like a monolith. Not only are you going to have better data about what's actually happening, but you should also be able to move the needle in terms of messaging more people with the right message at the right time to drive more sales, correct? Yeah. So that's like, uh, say, um, that's like the leaky bucket, right? Which actually ties into the other, the other more technical portion, which is where can I get the most leverage? And so if you, if you imagine that you've got your, your purchase funnel, right? Uh, right at the bottom of your purchase funnel is your shopping cart. So every single thing, affiliate, you know, everything coming in, direct load, just hits that, that shopping cart. So your highest leverage on the funnel is to build out your shopping cart abandon, by far, because it touches everything, right? And it's also on the awareness funnel, it's where they are, like they put it in their cart. They were not just lollygagging around. Someone doesn't walk on the lot unless they want to buy a car, right? Um, so yeah, that's where you get the most leverage. And then you find places up, um, further up the funnel. Uh, I worked with a company that did, um, I guess, online suits, Indochino, and people would come into the store. Mm -hmm. It's like an omni-channel environment. So, well, you know, emails should go out you know, if, if you have the, if you set up the right technology, go out from the sales associates. So now you've got a sales associate in your store. You've also got them in your phone. So that's moving further up the funnel uh, to, to support those conversions. So I want to just go back a little bit to the dynamic cohorts that we talked about here. Uh, you've got your year one, year two, year three prospect cohorts. What's the sort of best way to activate cohorts within this mentality? Like, is it, is it literally, are you sending different messages to people who've been on the, on the list longer than you are to people that are newer on the list? Sure. So how, so, so what to do with this? There's two ways yeah. you can do it. One is the kind of the automated way, which is what any small business would do and a lot of medium sized businesses. And then you've got like, say, you know, huge companies, uh, like, like, you know, Walmart and Target, who are also not just using email, they're using like stuff in the mail, 
right? They're using everything they can. There's two ways to approach it. The, let's just do the, the target way because it covers everything and then boil it down to the simplest way, right? The target way, they're going to find, they're, they're, gonna, they're looking at these snakes going through the python and they can see this group is not looking like, like they're gonna come back, right? We can just see the demographics. We can see this is gonna get crunched. So we send coupons or whatever, or you know promotions, whatever it is, however you wanna activate them, um, to this group and get them to buy, right? Maybe we've got, you know, hey, blue widgets are in. We can, we can do blue widgets for, for a deal. Okay, let's send these guys blue widgets, right? Get them to repurchase so that as that pig goes through the Python, you maintain your kind of, um, your benchmark metrics or improve them, right? Okay, that's the complicated way. We're not all gonna do that. Although, you know, you can, you can always go through there you know, hit attractive cohorts, exclude, um, you know, people who maybe got in on a promotion. You don't want to, you don't want uh, that customer to be running at a, um, at a loss. Okay, you can do that manually. The other way is just to automate the whole thing and know what are the best times to activate someone. And I mean, this is, it's simple. When someone first discovers your brand, that's a great time to activate them. So you would automate a welcome series, right? When someone purchases from your brand, okay, that's a great time to reactivate them. So you do all the things you want to do then when they're, they, they unbox at home. Okay, let's get a review, right? Uh, let's do a refer a friend. Let's get their friend on board, right? Um, yes, and then if, if they become kind of uh, stale and you kind of look at how, when, when does, the average repurchase happen. So that's when you're gonna start thinking about reactivation because you know I want to hit the average reactivation date with a high reactivation rate. So you do a, a, a reactivation um, flow or, or a, a kind of an automated nurture that's gonna get them to reactivate at that time. Welcome, post-purchase, reactivation. There's actually two welcomes. There's welcome buyer, non-buyer. Uh, yeah, and then, uh, and then cart abandon. If you hit those five things, uh, you've really got a lot covered. It's time to let your customers enjoy the products they love without the friction of reordering. That's why the world's most innovative brands like Pete's Coffee and Il Maquillage rely on order group subscriptions to build long-lasting customer relationships and deliver recurring revenue. OrderGroove integrates with all e-commerce platforms, making the experience easy to manage and seamless for shoppers. From enrollment incentives to churn-fighting AI, OrderGroove gives your business the tools it needs to be the next big subscription success story. Visit ordergroove.com DTC to receive two months off your first contract. What about discounts? Like one of the things that I'm thinking about, like with all of this, these dynamic cohorts, because you don't, you know, if you're trying to reactivate someone who hasn't purchased in two years, it might make sense to send them a 50% discount or, or a, a heavy discount. Whereas someone who's just purchased or is, is within the regular life cycle of when they might repurchase, you, you don't want to spend those big discounts in order to acquire them. How do you recommend people go about discounting dynamically so that they don't overshoot what they need to give? Okay, well, let's, let's, let's start that with the, the, the highest cost way to do it, which is blanket discounts. And I do see people who say they've, got, they've even got a welcome series, they've got some coupon code, and it's a universal coupon code. And you can go to like coupons.com and you can find their code and anybody at any time can just get 10% off. Basically, 
you're, you're just dropping your uh, sale price, right? So that's blanket the worst. And I wanna talk about why you wouldn't wanna do that. If you've got, especially if you're trying to maintain your prices, once you train your customers that, oh, well, if I don't do nothing, I'm just gonna get a coupon. If you train customers every season, here's the, here's the I did suits, here's the suits. All I have to do is wait two months. So then you have to retrain that whole cohort, that whole pig going through the Python. You've got to retrain to not expect a coupon after the season is done. So that's the worst. Then we shoot down, we say we want to be more tactical. So the simplest way to do that is to tag when a new customer comes in, you know, either just did they come in with a discount or better, what discount did they come in with? Right? So lots of people come in, they come in with a promotion, they, they, they found you through a sale, and then you just exclude those, the easiest thing, just exclude those customers and say, we're not going to reactivate someone with a coupon if they discovered us with a coupon. We're just not going to do it. Um, or like I say, you know, eh, if it's more than 15%, if it was less than 15%, whatever, it depends on your, on your margins. Um, but yeah, so just tagging when they come in, having a customer record, and this often means like either one having a customer database or if you're using an email tool that can support it, create a field and put that value in there and use that for targeting. One of the things that you mentioned that I wanted to chat about was uh, targeted reactivation and this idea of blending your marketing costs over the full customer lifecycle. This is something, we're, again, we're thinking about on the on the D2C side right now. You know, we, we acquire subscribers and then we're figuring out their decay rate and their how long they stay on our newsletter, what their sort of true customer uh, like lifetime value really is. And, and I'm curious, how do you do that on email where a lot of your costs are low, right? Like you're, you're not you're not having incremental costs to reach out to someone. So what do you mean by blending the marketing costs over a full customer lifecycle? Well, you ultimately pay to activate someone regardless, right? Email doesn't have a percent cost, but you do have people making pictures. You got people writing messages, just the same as any channel. So first of all, it would be yep. incorrect to say there's no cost, right? That's true. Um, but also... Uh, often people are paying to reactivate customers. This does happen where we say, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to discount. In either way, if you're doing that, if you're spending money, well, the important point is that, I mean, you can find different studies, the, the numbers are different, but it all converges around, it costs 80% less to reactivate a customer, right? So if you've got a customer, getting them to buy again costs 80% less than bringing in a new customer. Now, you can't stop bringing in new customers. It's not like you just shift your spend. You need to balance it between the two um, and actually take what you make reactivating and put it back into your, into your acquisitions. Um, so since it's so much cheaper to reactivate a customer, 80% less, you can spend on that. And there's actually something I call the 20-20-40. It's, it's a little, little technical, but if you imagine that it costs 20% as much to reactivate an existing customer. 20% of your list is repeat customers. 20% of your buyer list is repeat customers. And they're 40% of your revenue because repeat customers tend to buy more, right? So you get more leverage there. If you've got a 20, 20, 40, you want to turn that into a 25, 30, 60, right? Where you spend some more, where you get really good leverage on your first time buyers. I had one executive who his whole Retention strategy was just make a second purchase. That's it. Someone's purchased once, make them buy a second time and then just let them do their thing. Because that's where you're getting this huge amount of leverage. 
Take that 20, turn it to 25. You're suddenly, uh, you, your repeat buyer list is 30% of your list and they're 60% of your revenue. That's the, that's the goal. A bit more of a flywheel at that, at even just with that little shift in percentages, uh, you know, shifting your budget to, to really focus on acquiring better users off the hop because then their costs go down over time with these other metrics. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, I mean, this Brilliant. started this started at, at the buyer, but then what you do, of course, is you take what you're making and you feed it back into acquisitions. Once you know that you're hitting, you know, whatever margin you need for for the rest of your business. And it just it, it just all of this data feeds into what you can what you can uh, pay to acquire a new customer for, I guess, right? Like this is he who can uh, pay the most for a customer will win in in our current environment. That's right. So it ends up this really macro thing, kind of like when you're looking at the list and you've got your kind of your list metrics and there's what's going on in there, picking a Python, all this stuff, but you've got these list metrics. Well, when you've got a, an, a sale that you can spend 80% less on, right? Uh, you know, but you say, okay, well, let's, let's make it 70% less. Let's, let's go after just people on the margin, right? That feeds in and makes all of your metrics better because you've got this extra buyer that you spent far less to acquire. What are you actually using technically to do this cohort analysis? Is this, is this all Google Sheets or is there a program that's, that's breaking out all these cohorts? I, I, I've always done it in a spreadsheet. <laughs> that's the only way, really. But, you know, for like for a client, I would just make a spreadsheet and I'd probably use this, the same core spreadsheet for multiple clients and try to find a, a simple way to do it. Because also, like, I listed these three different tiers I mean, that's very like, you know, Nike, right? We would want something just simpler, which is let's just look at this and see um, that you, you see them. There's, it's kind of like a vertical. You'll, if you download it, you'll find one. You'll see it's like a vertical. And you can kind of just see what's going on. You can see where it's weak. And you can always just, if you do a cohort analysis, you're going to see where it's weak. Just start marketing to those customers because you have their addresses. You have their identities. They're customers. We can, we can get a deal on Blue Widgets. God, let's send those guys some Blue Widgets. Right. Well, I really appreciate you coming on uh, All Killer No Filler today, man. I look forward to chatting again soon. Yeah, and you know what? Next time I've got some other ideas like how to, we touched on how to amplify your associates, what to do with email in an omni-channel environment, which is more of this supportive concept. And yeah, just talking about how to tighten up the funnel because this was very retention focused and uh, totally. email's got two sides of, of a coin. So I do hope I get to come back again and chat with you some more. It was fun. You certainly will. And if you want to work with the Pilot House email team, just go to pilothouse.co and fill out a form and uh, you can geek out with us on uh, email anytime. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.